You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. closer. He'd take those trees and bring them a little closer. When he went off to the garden, he left the disciples praying, but he took Peter, James, and John a little further and then told them to pray as he went and prayed. And they saw with him eyes. What did they see? They beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. They saw grace and they saw truth. They saw grace and they saw truth. As Pastor Dave continues his teaching series through the Gospel of John, he'll be encouraging you to spend intimate time with Jesus daily. As the disciples spent time with Jesus, he allowed them to behold his glory and revealed many amazing things to them. The Lord desires to have intimacy with you as well. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 1 as he continues his message, The Bridge to Eternal Life. Man was slipping deeper and deeper into darkness, no longer even attempting to get out, but becoming comfortable in the darkness and settling on it as, well, that was his fate. But as I said, God had a plan. God desperately wanted to restore man into his image once again. God's love for the world was too great. It was too vast. His love for his creation drove him to enter this world as one of them. The Creator entered His creation. The Creator took on humanity. The Word became flesh and clothed Himself with humanity. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God sent His Son, Jesus, to be the connection between Him and man. That's what the Apostle John is declaring in verse 14. It's a powerful, powerful verse. It's an enormous verse. It speaks of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. The Apostle John is declaring that the Word, the Logos of God, Jesus came to earth for this specific purpose. He came to be the bridge to God, and therefore, He is the bridge to eternal life. Why? Because in all aspects, He was perfect. He bridged that gap. He bridged that gap becoming only one person could ever become, the God-man. Completely divine, yet completely human. Exactly as Isaiah had prophesied. He is the king of kings, yet he's also the servant of all. He is our savior and our redeemer. He is the one who understands our weaknesses and understands our infirmities. He understands exactly what you're going through right now. Why? Because he came as one of us. He came as one of us. He walked as one of us. God himself has made a way. God made the connection so that we can be brought back into him, into a whole relationship with him, and have eternal life. We couldn't reach up to God. God knew that. So God said, okay, I'll reach down to you. You can't get to me, so I'll get back to you. God had a plan. God's solution for man's sin not only displays his great mercy and love, but it also demonstrates his perfect holiness and justice. 
How do I know that? Because on the same day that Adam and Eve sinned, God promised that he would send the deliverer, the Messiah, in Genesis 3. He said he would be born of the seed of the woman. He would not have a human father. He would come from heaven. He would not be tainted with sin, the sin nature that was common to all of Adam's descendants. God's plan was to visit the world in human form. He would do this by causing the word to become flesh. Many reject this. And sadly, many still reject it today. Nonetheless, this is the central message of the Bible. This is the central message of all scriptures. It's all built around this. God has built a bridge to cross the great divide. A bridge that would join together sinful man and a holy and just God. A bridge that satisfied all the requirements of God for righteousness and is imputed to us by faith. That bridge took the form of a cross. And on that cross was a man, the Word, the Logos, Jesus Christ. He was on that cross. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Then John goes on to say in 14b, And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now remember, I told you that as John's writing his gospel, he's going to come up with many witnesses trying to show you and, and, and prove to you that Jesus is the Son of God. And by believing upon his name, you can have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. This is John's quest. You can find that in John 20, verses 30 and 31. We talked about it several times. And so John now is producing another witness. It just happens to be himself. He says, we beheld his glory. And the word beheld here is stronger than the words just saw or look. The Greek word used here is thoreo meaning to look at things with interest, to look at things with a purpose. John tells us that he and the other disciples carefully studied the glory of the Word made flesh. They carefully studied Jesus for three and a half years. John had the wherewithal and the smartness by the Holy Spirit to describe this in his epistle when he was writing his first letter. In 1 John one, we read these words. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was man manifested to us, that which we've seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Listen to John's words. Listen to John's words, how poignant they are. Many, many people say, well, where is he witness to Jesus Christ? Where is the witness? Well, it's right here. John says, hey, guys, I saw him. I walked with him. I talked with him. I hugged him. I touched him. And he touched me. Laid his hand on my back. We ate together. I saw him. I beheld him. 
That was manifested to us. That was from the beginning. The eternal God, the eternal God of the universe was manifested to John and the disciples. They saw him. They walked with him. They heard him. How many times does John said that what we've seen and that which we've heard? They realized that when Jesus was talking to them, they were listening to God. When they were watching Jesus, they were actually seeing God in action. And when they touched him, they were actually touching God. Can you imagine this? Can you begin to fathom what John is saying here? Imagine what happened when they realized what was going on, when they finally realized. And when they realized that the next time they're walking up and Jesus came by him and put his hand on his shoulder and said, so John, how are you holding up today? Can you imagine? When they realized that, that which we've seen, we've handled, we've touched, we heard. You remember Micah's prophecy of the birthplace of Jesus? And you, Bethlehem, though you be little among the providences of Judah, yet out of you shall come a ruler who is to rule my people Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. Eternal life always existed. We talked about that when we studied the first part of John 1. Eternal life has always existed. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. But the Word was made flesh, and He dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. We saw him. Jesus, the eternal word, the eternal God, became flesh and dwelt among them. John is declaring to you, I saw him. I touched him. I heard him. I know. I'm not making this up. Three and a half years, we did this. And I was the only one that watched him die. Because all the other apostles left. John was the only one there at the crucifixion. He saw him die. And John saw the resurrected Lord too. John was one of the ones who went up on the mountain and saw him transfigured. John was one of the big three. Peter, James, and John. You read about it all through the scriptures. Jesus would do a miracle and then he would move closer. He'd take those threes and bring them a little closer. When he went off to the garden, he left the disciples praying, but he took Peter, James, and John a little further and then told them to pray as he went and prayed. And they saw with their eyes what did they see? They beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. They saw grace and they saw truth. They saw grace and they saw truth. And it's interesting that John will go on to say in verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. They saw grace and truth. They beheld grace and truth. Remember when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and fell at his feet and said, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Many think that what he was really asking was, What can I do to inherit the quality of life that you have? See, men were attracted to the life of Jesus. And as it was manifested, he drew men to himself. He drew men. And when we witness Christ and we live a godly lifestyle and people see it, they're attracted to that. They're not attracted to you as such. They're attracted to the Jesus in you. And they want to know why. What about you is so different? Why, what happened here? I mean, you just got fired and you got that goofy smile on your face. 
What happened? And you get to tell them that Jesus is Lord. You get to tell them that Jesus is Lord of your life, and you get to witness to them. And they go, I want that lifestyle. That's what I want. And you tell them how they can get that lifestyle. That which we've heard, which we saw, we now bear witness to you. He was full of grace and truth. And in the person of Jesus Christ, all that grace and truth that had been floating in the shadows for so long, the mystery of the universe that was hidden from the prophets was now visible to man. What was once only a dream, only something prophesied about, only something that was saw way ahead in the future, now was alive and in front of them. They saw him. He took on human flesh. We beheld the glory, grace, and truth. You know, it was fitting that the word that Jesus Christ would be born in a manger, that he would be born in a stable because there was no room for him anywhere. Today, many, many people don't make room for Jesus. They don't make room for Jesus in their lives. We're coming up now on a season. We're coming up now on a holiday season. And it's always amazing to me at how many people all of a sudden become Christian during the holidays. You have your C and E's. People who show up on Christmas and Easter. But the rest of the year, that's it. The rest of the year, that's all there is. There's no homage until the following Christmas or Easter. Think of it. God dwelt among us. He tabernacled with us. He came to earth and tabernacled with us. They ate with him, talked with him, slept what would happen if we put verse 1 and verse 14 together? What would happen if we put verse 1 and 14? Well, I'm going to tell you what's happened because I did it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh. And the Word was with God and dwelt among us. And the Word was God, and we beheld His glory full of grace and truth. What's the... Yeah, amen. 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 So what's the conclusion we can draw here? What's the conclusion to John's statement that he made here? Jesus was the internal God incarnate, the creator of the universe who came to his world, which he had created to bring light to those who were perishing in the darkness. Those who would believe on him would receive power to become sons of God by being born of the will of the Father and not by the will of flesh. In a time chosen by God and God alone, prophesized through all the ages, prophesized by many, many prophets throughout the ages. It's written in our Bible. The Word became flesh. His name's Jesus. Simply means Jehovah is salvation. Yahshua, Jesus. He is unequaled in every way. He's unequal in his conception. He is unequaled in his character. He's unequal in his authoritative words. He's unequal in his miraculous works. He's unequal in his death and he's unequal in his resurrection and his ascension. As the only man who never sinned, Jesus, Israel's Messiah, our Savior, our Redeemer, came to pay the eternal death penalty for Adam's sin. This was God's plan. The plan that foreshadowed thousands upon thousands of years of animal sacrifices and foretold hundreds of prophecies. Jesus is God's bridge to eternal life. 
Jesus is God's bridge. It's his connection between us and God. Let me leave you. I don't know if any of you have been thinking about it, but as soon as I started studying for this, it came to my mind. In 1995, there was a group called Point of Grace, and they released a song entitled The Great Divide. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song. In fact, when I listened to it as I was studying for this, it brought tears to my eyes. Listen to these poignant words. Silence. Trying to fathom the distance. Looking out across the canyon carved by my hands. God is gracious. Sin would still separate us were it not for the bridge his grace has made us. His love will carry me. There's a bridge to cross the great divide. A way was made to reach the other side. The mercy of the Father cost his son his life. His love is deep. His love is wide. There's a cross to bridge the great divide. God is faithful. On my own, I'm unable. He found me hopeless alone and sent a Savior. He's, prov he's provided a path and promised to guide us. Safety past all the sin that would divide us. His love delivers me. There's a bridge to cross the great divide. A way was made to reach the other side. The mercy of the Father cost his son his life. His love is deep. His love is wide. There's a cross to bridge the great divide. The cross that cost my Lord his life has given me mine. There's a bridge to cross the great divide. There's a cross to bridge the great divide. Ladies and gentlemen, I feel in my heart that we're running out of time. I feel strongly in my heart that time is fast fleeting away. We know through God's word that this dispensation that we now live in called the dispensation of grace, many call it the age of grace, many call it the church age. We know, Scripture tells it, that it will come to a close. There will come a time when God's grace to be saved will not be available as it is now. There will come a time when it will cost you much, much more than just faith to get in to the kingdom. Time is fast approaching. And I believe, and I shared with the leadership of the church as we met last Monday, I'm convinced that that is why God led me to the Gospel of John. Because in it, John's premise is to show us that Jesus is his son, is God's son. And that through Jesus, through faith in him, we can have eternal life. Now there will come a day that no man knows of what we talked about during the last five Wednesdays. There will come a day when a trumpet will sound. And in the twinkling of an eye, those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, those that have believed that he was God's son, and those that have believed that God raised him from the dead are be taken out of here. In the twinkling of an eye, we'll be gone to be meeting the air, Lord in the air. So my heart is heavy. My heart is heavy for some of you sitting here today in front of me. 
Some of you that have been coming to this church now for a while, you've been sitting in front of me for a long, long while. My heart is heavy because something is telling me that you have not made a true profession of faith. And I'm here to tell you that the bridge has been put in place. The connection has been made. There will be no crossing this bridge in the future after the rapture happens. Ladies and gentlemen, if I'm speaking to you, it is not I, it is the Holy Spirit now piercing your heart today to tell you that it's time to get your house in order. It's time to get you in order so that you can be, Jesus can receive you to his own when he comes and makes that trumpet call. And if you haven't done that, if you've been playing church all this time, I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking directly to you. I'm speaking right into your heart through the Holy Spirit. If you've been playing church, there will come a time when you come here on Sunday morning, if you don't change, if you come here on Sunday morning and we won't be here. And will you go, oh, that idiot was right. I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to see any of you have to go through what we studied the last five weeks on Wednesday night. I don't want to see any of you go through that pearl, go through that time, go through that horrible woe that is coming upon the earth. But it's your choice. God has left us a free will and he's given us a free choice. You can choose to be one of those that are raptured up in the air. Or peso, caught up. Snatched away, taken from this earth to be with the Lord. You can be one of those. Or you can be one that's left behind. You have that choice. And I will not force you, nor will God force you to make that choice for him. But if you haven't decided, Scripture says you've decided. To be undecided is to have decided against Christ. No other bridge will be brought. No other man will get back up on the cross for your sin. No other sacrifice will be made except the one that was made over 2,000 years ago by Jesus Christ. You may be sitting here today thinking that I'm just full of hot air and that you're right. You can think that. But just because you don't believe it doesn't mean this is any less true. So I'm calling on you guys. Those of you that have been hanging around on the fence. Maybe you've walked with the Lord and you've walked away. And you're dabbling in something unknown. Maybe you're doing some things that you know you're not supposed to be doing. The Lord's calling you back. The time is too close, ladies and gentlemen. The time is at hand. You are The book of John covers Jesus' life and ministry here on earth, but the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start. So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. 
Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- 884-5821. Keep looking to scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to A Sure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A Sure Hope.